Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Western Hunting Podcast. Uh, this is an episode with my buddy Jason discussing some of his uh, recent um, season hunts, and as well as just a... Uh, funny little thing we were talking about what's going on in Colorado, but not so funny because uh, it has a possibility of going somewhere and uh, that's kind of a scary deal. But uh, and that also relates to something we were doing with Howl for Wildlife the other night. And uh, that's definitely a place you need to go check out. That's a great organization. Um, just go be a member and a free member. You don't have to pay. You can be a $30 member. Uh, but just go be a member and send your howls to um, those places that are battling all kinds of things. I'm in South Dakota. We don't we don't have those issues here yet. Um, what we we were going to try and get mountain lions or to hunt mountain lions with dogs, and uh, the existing hunters didn't want it. So uh, Colorado's looking at getting rid of lion and bobcat hunting. Period whole nother level, Oregon, Washington, whole nother level, California, of course. So we need to take care of those other states. And even if we live a long ways away from there, um, even Australia, we've, we've sent some howls that way. So uh, go in and uh, so that we can get some support in our state or whatever state you're in, uh, make sure you send those out. Uh, It's real quick and easy and it is doing some good. They're seeing some results from that. So anyway, uh, let's get to this episode with um, Buddy Jason. As always, if you would like and follow on Instagram, Facebook, it's Western Hunting Hub and uh, Black Hills Antlers. Thanks for listening. All right, Jason, thanks for jumping back on the podcast with me to uh, um, just catch up, uh, do a little hunting season progress, and uh, 
um, talk about some Colorado BS that's going on and, um, yeah, just catch up. This is a great time to, um, see how your buddies are doing and, and kind of do some check-ins. I know, um, Jason, you and I have, have been apart for a few years, so it's been, it's been, uh, weird. I, I pulled into Colorado. I didn't get to see you when I was in Colorado and it was, I honestly could tell you it was weird being there. It was like really, really weird. Um, especially since I stayed in my neighbor, old neighbor's driveway and I was looking at my old house right there, all getting remodeled and things happening to it. But, um, I can't describe it. It gave me this like anxiety that came with a load of emotions of everywhere I was, there was kind of a flood of, uh, memories of Ty driving his Jeep up and down the driveway, going hunting over here, going and just, uh-huh. and, and I don't really have a whole lot of friends there anymore. Um, I mean, I didn't go and visit anyone. You and my buddy, Danny are just yep. about it <laughs> really. And, and, uh, my buddy Derek, which I did go see when I was in Grand Junction, but, um, that's about it. Like a lot of people have moved away and, and, uh, there's, there's not really anyone else left there, but, uh, um, some distant friends or whatever. So, um, it, it's tough being away from Colorado, but I love, love being here in South Dakota. So anyway, enough about me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, so if, um, you haven't heard Jason, Jason, you, I mean, a few times yeah. and, and, uh, introduce yourself real quick, uh, who you are, what your what you do. Yeah, Jason Arthur. I live here in Western Colorado. Um, have my wife and two kids. We own a ranch here and um, do quite a bit of farming. Uh, in fact, we're just pulling in the harvest. I'm sitting here looking at about 100 pounds worth of carrots. So oh, we got man. quite a bit of food coming in right now. I'm just finished up processing a whole bunch. Um, and I'm also I'm an assistant principal and athletic director now uh, at Grand Valley High School in Parachute, Colorado. Um and Clint and I used to work together. I was actually a math teacher at the time, but I've moved up a little bit. Um, so that's made things a little busier. I've had to schedule up. Um, I made, made sure my family time is solid for sure. Um, but schedule up hunting and, um, just make sure I still get those things in that I like to do. Uh, so, but I can, I can totally understand where you're coming from, Clint. I think I find hunting season is a great place to, or great, great time to reconnect with people. Um, and I, I often talk with some hunting friends a lot more during hunting season. Um, you know, I used to live in Alaska. So when I go up there, I completely understand how you feel there. Uh, mixed emotions going up there and really just want to move back <laughs> most of the yeah. time. But, yeah. um, you know, we always go up there and have a great time. Uh, my wife's sister still lives there with her husband and family. And I have some, just a couple of friends left. That's it. You know, I just see a couple people usually hit the rivers with chat and, um, chat hunting with him and we usually maybe maybe we'll go on a black bear hunt or something so um yeah i completely understand where you're coming from there yeah and it was yeah. like do i want to come back here do i want to just go somewhere else like it was it was great to be it's not like i didn't like being there i loved being there and it was is wonderful yeah. best one of the best decisions my wife and i made to to move there we gained all kinds of wonderful experience I gained all kinds of hunting experience and, and, uh, um, man, the, 
all all the folks that are looking at doing western hunts and you when you don't live in those western states it's it's an expensive thing to go and jump into those hunts and to jump into uh that really really to spend the time in the field you just can't do that unless you live in those those states and that was kind of an eye opener i wasn't even a hunter and i spent a lot of money (laughs) my dad is the one that bought the tag but we we split the the gas the just the prep things i would i didn't even do much more than okay i need a new battery for the four-wheeler i need a new this and that for the camper i needed so there's just all the expenses so man to to really get out and learn some of those places in in colorado is is or in any western state it just takes a some investment so um but i checked in with you uh letting you know i was coming out and uh you didn't have a whole lot of plans which really surprised no not a whole lot of archery plans i'll take that because i know you have used uh hunting fool and epic outdoors to the fullest and as a previous math teacher statistics teacher and 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 more calculus but do you ever teach stats i never did get the privilege or well i don't know if i'd ever want to but yeah (laughs) stats is my least favorite subject in math but yeah i did teach quite a bit of calculus that that was nine or ten years so yeah um, yeah but you you yeah and I, I took full advantage programs. yeah even with uh, my ability to calculate statistics you know having a applying in 10 states there's just way too much to wade through and then i didn't have the knowledge of those specific states and specific areas like the guys at hunting full and epic outdoors do so um you know i bought an epic outdoors membership and that was partly because those guys are from where I'm from, Moab and Monticello, um, and just poured through those pages and, you know, just used strategies on each state that that would maximize my chances of drawing. And um, my hunting full membership app actually came because I'm an Onyx Elite member, um, so that that's kind of nice just to get that as a bonus. But yeah, I've taken full advantage of that. Um, I've drawn tags in. Well, I've over-the-counter hunted a lot in Arizona. I've drawn, I've hunted New Mexico three years in a row. Uh, three of those on, tags were two mine. Works. Two yeah. works. So I had my, that's incredible. 1% draw Zelk unit 36 three years ago. And then I had a 2B 3% draws deer tag. And then I drew an Oryx tag. And then my daughter turned 10, so she started hunting. She drew deer tags two years in a row, and then she got a call on an Oryx tag last February. Um, so we took advantage of that, and we've scored a lot of really nice animals on those hunts. Um, you know, yeah. and then just hunting Arizona and um, Utah. I'm, I'm from Utah, so that's a big state for me to go to. And, of course, Colorado. I I maximized my points on an elk hunt two a year and a half ago and scored a 334 bull um in the middle of january at nine thousand feet on top of a mountain no less you know oh, so um those memberships have paid dividends for me that's for darn sure and i've taken full advantage of them but how so. much how much would you say is um reading into those and applying versus just straight being fortunate and and uh 
I think there's probably a combination of the two, but I can just say that there's no way that without a straight blessing, in my view, a straight blessing from God that I got some of these tags because I drew tag two, three tags in two years in New Mexico that were 1% and 3%. And then the Oryx was uh, less than 5%. I never did go look at the Gerards. You know, like, yeah, those are usually once every 10 year tags for people. And I drew three in two years. Um, so I, yeah, I just can't explain it, but I did play the, the system, you know, um, New Mexico, for instance, has three, you get three choices and they look at your first three choices. So they just, they list the hunters in order and they just go down the hunters. So my number one was like, uh, Gila you know, the number one hunt in the state. My number two choice was a pretty tough hunt to draw. And then my number three was this one, which with the unit 36 tag, it ended up being a really tough tag to draw, but I, I was high enough on the list that I got that tag. So, you know, and then uh, my deer tag was the third choice tag. The Oryx was actually a management hunt. So um, on Oryx, Ibex, I think there, there might be one more, but there's a box you can check in New Mexico that says, I'm willing to participate in a population management hunt. So I had always clicked that box and I ended up getting a phone call. And um, within the month, I had shot a 37 and a half inch Oryx, which is, is a pretty sizable animal. Not really a um, management one. <laughs> no, no. Um, my daughter's tag was the same, was the management tag. And she ended up with a 22 inch animal. Um, the guy that we the, the guided us because you, you know you're on we were on some land that and they, we had to have a guide they he said they they haven't seen one that big on that place for a long time so oh, um, wow. Oh, wow. i was on fort bliss um so yeah. yeah i just i was really fortunate just the way it worked out again another blessing because with that hunt you know those that oryx hunt the um there were three different hunters on the same day that i had and, and the guide took us out to the area and said hey this is where they were yesterday don't cross that fence don't cross that fence and one guy raised his hand and said hey i shot one over there last year i'm gonna go to the south okay and the other guy says may i'll just go to the north and hit that fence line and i was like all right and so i got the middle <laughs> and wouldn't you know that the middles where the big animal was. Yeah. <laughs> so I, it just, there are things that have happened for me that I can't explain other, other than just a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and, and that was, that, that whole story is crazy. That was a 15 minute hunt and I was out of my door and back home and it was 36 hours. Yeah. Yep. We have that one yep. recorded. So, that one so, recorded. Yep. A, I think I've told you before. <laughs> way back. But, um, but so you, you've, uh, went from, from like no tags here in for the early season anyway, for, for yourself. You just didn't draw a whole lot of anything or anything at all. Um, and you bear tag in Colorado, but I don't okay. know if that counts. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, there's always a thousand leftovers, you know? Um, right. And, uh, so yeah, and went, I've got went from that. And you've got to consider and, I've got ten or more points in Nevada, Wyoming, Montana, Colorado, Arizona, Utah. <laughs> like I've got a lot of points um 
to to lean on and i didn't draw anything except that september rifle bear tag here which you don't need anything to draw you can go buy one up till the season starts yeah um and then and then but i mean as a family we we drew some tags my daughter did draw a utah deer tag she's 12 now um and she ended up drawing a unit 27 arizona deer tag it's a youth hunt and that's that's a unit i've archery hunted and i've put arrows in a couple of really big bucks there and so i'm really excited for that that starts next friday so um, she's she's not yeah. in the uh, first deer phase anymore so now that she's got a tag no, for, she's got two on the ground already yeah and she's got so this is a a good tag what's the what's the what's the release to to shoot or pull the trigger <laughs> what's gonna allow that to happen or is it just when she's uh, excited well, about it the or first the first deer i shot there with my bow and i keep in mind i didn't recover either of these deer it still irks me to this day and maybe we can get into why i stopped archery hunting for a while but uh um he was a 185 ish buck it's about you know 28 inches wide just nice square big four point typical and a lot of mass and then uh the next one again put an arrow in him and it was just raining cats and dogs and we never could find him track some blood and then he was 32 inches wide he was only a three by two but he was big around as a baseball bat yeah i remember um, that you were dealing with but i eight. shot that buck and they took off we couldn't find him couldn't track him um so we just went back to camp for the night but it was raining so hard that river we were on the opposite side of the river we were camped the river came up like six feet overnight uh, so we couldn't cross the river for two days and of course by then the tracks are all washed out and stuff so i never did find him but so yeah we've got hopefully a i don't know i'd say 180 is probably a good bottom end goal but she's also 12. <laughs> yeah you know yeah. so we'll see what we'll just see what we can turn up you know i when i hunt with my kids i try to make it more as a fun hunt as much as um you know trying to be serious because you want kids to have fun you want them to get used to the outdoors and you want them to have i want my kids to be able to have that lifestyle where they're going to go outdoors and have some fun later in life whether it's hunting or not mm. um you know how's she so, uh how's she behind the gun i mean you guys have the property she's there. pretty good yeah i do have to support her a little bit just because she's not used to shooting at animals quite yet <laughs> yeah. but she did so that oryx hunt the oryx that she shot we snuck into 150 and we weren't getting any closer and she shot that off of a swinging limb on a bush you know, she got a bullet in them. And so, yeah, I mean, she, she can handle it. She just needs to get used to it. Well, and yeah. when I checked in with you, I was a little surprised. You had mentioned that you had kind of hung your bow up for a little bit and then suddenly you have a archery tag and suddenly I get a text of a deer on the ground. <laughs> What's hey. uh, yeah. Let me go back to, you know, I was, 
of course, we we trained a lot together with the Alpha Challenge, and then and I was big into train to hunt. Um, I won some competitions. I was a very good shooter, very fit, but I I couldn't kill an animal to save my life with the bow. I put arrows in. This is just off the top of my head. A deer in Arizona, a deer in Arizona, a bear in Colorado um, that I lost. I never found them. Um, and I, I I shot, I did end up shooting another bear with my bow and I've shot several cow elk, um, but I was 0 for 9 with bull elk. Like I was kind of getting really frustrated and the fact that I was wounding animals, they were probably dying. Uh, and not finding it was very frustrating for me. Um, so I just, I decided in, that was probably three years ago, just to try to rifle hunt. And that's when I drew that New Mexico elk tag. Um, and I had a pretty good year that year with that. I, you know, killed that bull in New Mexico and just decided that, um, I needed to rifle hunt for a couple years because I was being successful with the rifle. I needed to get some things under my belt, like a bull elk. <laughs> yeah. Now I've shot four, four years in a row. Um, and then, but you know, alongside that, I had that pretty bad hand injury. Um, I just didn't shoot much. And then, so probably, and then become, and then the, the next thing that happened, I became the assistant principal and the athletic director. I used to be able to go shoot at lunch or right after school, and those things kind of disappeared because I'm on duty pretty much sure. the entire day without a break. Yeah. So you just line up all those factors, and rifle hunting just made sense to me at the time. Um, you know, and then I didn't draw any tags, of course, except the bear tag. And I'm trying to think, I like to try to think through ways I can get, get a tag just to go hunting. Um, and I had bought in 2018, I bought a landowner voucher and I killed a 170 inch buck, a four point here on the place that we own. So I called that guy again, uh, just to see what they had. And they offered me. The first offer was seven fifty, and then I was like, "Well, I've budgeted five hundred. Can you do five hundred bucks for this landowner voucher?" Uh, and the, the season starts in like a week. Yeah. So he said, "Yeah, I'll do five hundred, but you can't hunt the land that I own." <laughs> so I'm still questioning that, but um, I made the deal, so I honored that word. Yeah. So I, before I bought the tag, I shot my bow a couple times. It was still in tune. It was still you know, sighted in. So I decided to go ahead and buy it. And I had been watching a couple of really nice bucks over here this summer. And with the amount of water that we had, the feed was really good. So we had a really good four point that I never, I saw him on camera about a month before the season started, but I didn't see him again. And then we had a really good three point which is the one I ended up shooting that just, he had his little circle from our place to the neighbor's place to the next neighbor's place back onto our place. And it was ev like every day or two, he was crossing right, right in the same spots. So um, I went ahead and bought that landowner voucher and 
that was maybe that was August twenty eighth or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, just because I, our, the nice thing about archery is it provides you some opportunities that rifle hunting doesn't. But because you know the so rifle tag here, if you're going to buy a landowner voucher is like two grand. Oh, uh, yeah, and though they're so patternable in that early September, like if you knew, exactly yeah, they really are. Doing. I mean, it, it, it's pretty crazy. But so just the first morning, I'm I'm just at my house because it's a private land only tag, and I'm looking out my front window and looking out my back window, and there's right at first light, there's some deer right in front of my house, and I literally go sit on my tailgate of my truck. <laughs> And these deer feed right in front of me. And there's a 150-inch four-point there. And I had him at 35 yards, and I didn't shoot him. Hmm. You know? So, um, just just had my target buck. And sure enough, that night, the mornings is on our places when, when to hunt. The evenings tend, for some reason, aren't as good. But the next morning, looking out that same window, there's there's that group of big bucks and the, the big four points actually with them and the big three points. So I crawl out of my house. Our field kind of does a little hump and I, I got to the hump and I was about a hundred yards because they were walking down the South fence line. And that same, uh, uh, what I'd seen them do in the past several times is just, they walk that fence line. They'd eat from a plum tree that's about three quarters of the way down the fence line. Then they would hop the fence and they would go on the neighbor's place and stay the day there. <laughs> they just circle. Yeah. So I, I boogied around and our property's nice because at the fence line, it kind of slopes off a hill. So I just got on that West fence line and I hiked up this draw that we have and I was hiding in a ditch, just waiting for them to cross. And they were just slowly making their way in front of uh, towards me and, I had them at about 100, 130 yards, maybe. And three of them, I think they must have seen me. And this is the big 4.2 and two little bucks. But they just turned around and walked away. And I was like, oh, crap, what's going on? And this is right after the wind had swirled. But the three point and his two small bucks were right only at about 100 yards. They were actually closer to me and they didn't do anything. They just stayed there and kept feeding continuing down that fence. So I actually pulled out of the ditch and I crawled up that corner of our place has a little arc. It's got a gully with a Creek in it. And I just crawled up the Creek and um, the grass is about three feet tall. So I got to the tallest clump of grass there and they were at 59 yards. Um, and I had been testing myself, of course, with my bow and above 50, my groups really started to spread. So I wasn't super, um confident at that point at 59 but i just sat there uh, i was on my knees at that point and they just kind of over the next five minutes or so work their way in front of me and just about the time they were at about 50 i'd say it's probably about 53 yards behind a big clump of grass so i didn't have a good shot but the sun pops up from the east and i must have looked like a marble statue sitting out there because they looked right at me and i'm like oh great i'm busted yeah but they just go back to feeding and i'm just sitting there and they come out in the opening and it's 49 yards and 
that big buck he's quartering to me so i don't really have a shot looks right at me sun's shining on me i must stick out like i said like a marble statue puts his head down turns broadside and i figured about that time that's that was it i so i just went ahead and drew and right when i moved he looked straight at me um so i knew it was game time so i just went ahead and drew aimed and fired uh and you know when it when you feel a good shot with your bow it's usually pretty good it felt really good um but he knew i was there he took off and he moved about two feet before my arrow hit him oh um yeah it was he he took off quick but the elevation the arrow elevation was perfect and it just it went right in front of his rear right rear quarter right through the left and sliced both of his femoral arteries oh man yeah i i when i saw the arrow hit because i shoot with luminox i thought it was a gut shot and he was headed straight for the fence and it was only 60 yards but he he was limping really bad so i knew i caught something important so i sprinted up that hill and it's it was only about 30 or 40 yards and I knocked another arrow when he got to the fence line. I was starting to draw and he crouched to jump the fence. And you could see him trying to jump. His body wouldn't jump. And he just, and he was crouched and crouched and trying to jump. And then he just tipped over. Uh, yeah. I, my, yeah. Right I, there. I had, the, I had a very right the similar shot last year on a, on a mule deer. That, yeah. that somehow it's like the shot felt so good. And it was some wind, but it ended up that far back. But, and I did the same thing. I sprinted over the hill to see where he went. And when I got over the top of the hill, he was on his side, kicking and dying like pretty quick, pretty darn quick. Yeah. And there was, and I, I usually go back and I kind of do a video of the, the stock and everything. So I have that in my mind and my memory and have it recorded. And that blood trail, it was, it's like a river. I'm surprised he lasted 70 yards. And it wow. took him another minute or two to die after he went on the ground too. Hmm. So, but yeah, I shot uh, us here. Here's a plus one for, for the mechanical broadheads. Cause the deer I've lost have been with a, a just a two blade broadhead that flies really well. It shoots really nice, but I've just lost animals. I put the rage tripans on this time and there was a hole about the size of a, a baseball going into his right rear quarter. Yeah, that was, same was his I guts were actually <laughs> spilling out. His yeah. guts were spilling out that hole. Hmm. So yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, that broadhead did his job. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. They get buried and and, uh, really cause some damage. I did have... I don't know where I'm at with those right now because I did have a um, couple of blades get bent just in my target, and it doesn't make any sense. Like, 
in my practice target. It sh- they should not be getting bent. So I don't know. I got to mess around with them some more. And yeah, I always do like to have a mechanical, but then also a fixed blade. But seeing the blood trail on do, not, yeah. not the blood trail, but the entrance wound on my uh, antelope this year was very satisfying uh, with a fixed yes. blade. <laughs> it was yeah. Yeah, it was um, it was one of those shots too where it hit and just like the sound was perfect, the like the perfect thump and the oh, just that shot broke and it felt good. And I will advocate for you also on before any of the um and even into the hand injury stuff. Like you practiced, you were a freaking good shot, and during all that time to to step in front of animals and then you just can't put it together is a whole different kind of problem that is very difficult to work through on the yeah. on the practice range so it it, it if anybody I mean you can't practice that <laughs> no if and even thinking you should well you should like be even the more. alpha stuff no it, you can't practice it like i could go i could run up a freaking mountain with a 50 pound pack for train to hunt and I could put an arrow in the money spot on a deer at 40 yards. You did a hundred in these competitions with a broken, like, I was one of the top you know. guys in the nation, but I just couldn't do it with an animal in front of me. And you know what? It didn't, it didn't even show up this, this time. Good. Um, I what think, do you think that is to be, I think it's a combination of factors as it always is, but I think number one, I think, of course, I think my hand injury has changed things for me. Like, I've chilled out a little bit. And I'm also north of 40 now, so I'm starting to chill out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just my attitude about life has changed. Uh, so, you know, five, ten years ago, it would have been like, we got to go. We're going hunting. Like I was really intense about things and I, I forced things a lot. I was really aggressive and now I'm like, and you know, those, the blessings I talked about earlier, they just kind of happen. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let's go hunting. I got a great tag versus this year. Like, well, I don't have that many tag. I don't have a tag except a bear. Hmm. Well, I'll just see what I can do. (laughs) Cause I know I'll, I know I'll be hunting. It's just a matter of if I have tags or not. And then the other thing is, uh, being a being a boss i'm an assistant principal and athletic director and i deal with conflict a lot and i think that that has helped me deal with situations where my emotions can get going to where i can actually bring those down and i can think through situations now and i can just do what i need to do and i so i think both of those those things there and like I said, it didn't even show up this, that morning. Like I was not nervous at all. I just thought through things. I went through my shot process correctly and it just, it just happened. So I, you know, it just, I, I've never heard of those reasonings. I can, I can connect quite a bit with the first one. I'm not North of 40, but (laughs) I do, I do feel that same. um, I'm just going to go out and have fun. And I'm going to do everything to be the best hunter possible. But if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. And I just want to 
do things right and um i'm my mind has calmed way down on on yep being in front of an animal and i've seen that in the last few deer where i'm drawing and even on this antelope where i drew i just i felt my anchor i felt my thumb i felt my um i was in control of the release which was really cool to feel like i'm it's breaking over it's breaking over i know it's gonna go um and i was in control of my pins (laughs) that was was exciting (laughs) control the pins and i knew i knew i picked a spot and i was in control a little bit more of um that that mind and and the thought process behind that so um i can get it was crazy for me and I, I hadn't picked up my bow for probably a year before I shot it to make sure it was sighted in. And I probably shot my bow six times before I put an arrow in that deer, you know. And in the yeah. past, that would have been like, I used to shoot six or seven days a week. Yeah. You know, There's so yeah, so it's changed. Um, and... I don't know. It just, it's an easier way to live life. You know, you just, you don't have to worry about things as much and you put a lot more important. Here's what it is. You put a lot more importance in, in the things that are important, right? Make sure you spend time with your wife, your kids need you make sure that you're taking care of other people. So my job, I take care of other people. Um, you know, and if you live right, things usually do fall in place with you for you. So I think that's that's some good lessons there that we can learn just in our our daily habits and and life that we could uh, um, be better bow hunters and be better hunters just just through and better people. But um, since we're on a hunting podcast, you're talking about the hunting portion um, to to help us be better hunters. Uh, control it starts in the workplace and it starts at home and and uh, working on those kind of emotions and control. Um, that's a really fascinating thing that you said. I think that's a lot of people would connect with that. Um, and so, uh, in your wonderful state, which, uh, I've had the the privilege of living in and experiencing the (laughs) politics, but, uh, um, yeah, let's not go there. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I did just spend an hour and a half with our governor, uh, teach, helping her teach her to fly fish. That was freaking cool. Um, yeah. that, that was really, really cool. Um, just taking her on a, uh, little fishing trip adventure and chatting with her super nice person. Got, uh, got more balls than, uh, Polis does in Colorado for sure. She's, yep. <laughs> she's, she's pretty cool, pretty cool lady. But, um, I also was just on a, a zoom call with, uh, Howl for wildlife. And then there was some meteor folks, Brian call. There was, um, some go hunt people there was there was a lot of people on there there's totally 30 people on this call just a little bit ago discussing how for wildlife and and things to how to take it a step further and how to combat stuff that's coming up and this this thing in colorado came up uh in that conversation is one of those like one of the bigger things that's come up around in a while and that's the the initiative 91 put it trying to put the um 
again, the decision of wildlife management in voters' hands and um, voters' hands is is not always is not the place for uh, biological decisions. Where oh, it's not. <laughs> you you have people with um, masters and doctorate degrees, mainly master's degrees, graduate degrees, working on uh, our wildlife and, and how to manage those populations, and we entrust them to make those decisions. Ballot biology is not the way to go about that and it's this this is going to be one of those where somebody sees it just like the the wolves and they say oh that sounds like a horrible thing that they'd want to go shoot a mountain lion or they'd want to shoot a bobcat or a lynx i can't believe they'd want to shoot a lynx that that's not going to happen when that's not even a thing period um oh. <laughs> we can't the, even lynx out <laughs> yeah and uh the language in the Grand Junction Sentinel was just outrageous. It was absolutely okay. absurd uh, in that art article. It's just written poorly um, and just one-sided, very ignorantly written, um, just poor journalism. So um, one thing that the uh, we discussed in this, this Howl for Wildlife Zoom call this evening was really more about um what the next steps are and how uh we almost have to change a culture in hunting and and yeah brought up a lot of the 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 known things we know now there's division in hunting sure um and and discussing how we shouldn't be running with lions or we should or we should do that um or you should be hunting around bait or you shouldn't be should or shouldn't be hunting around bait just all those kind of little things so there's that the division division of that stuff but more so uh that hunting should be about the stories that was one of the big takeaways and the 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 things that it does for you so i'm going to speak for you here and tell me if i'm wrong but had you um not gotten this deer tag i don't know if you would have made that connection to uh, what you've done in your life to to adjust some things to be a better bow hunter. I don't know if you would have seen that connection with the hunting side of the of things had you not picked up your bow and did it again. And there's a story. Oh, no, I probably wouldn't. There's a story yeah. in that that there's um th- there's a character building and some quality of life changing that is not what is in this article and initiative 91 of, and I, I think this is going to come around a few times, a few times in my podcast, but um, in that, that we are not just shooting things, taking the head off, going home. And there's, there's so much more to that. There's a story, there's a connection. There's um, I think on my podcast, Instagram ends up being more about my kids and what seeing the cool things they do or a, 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 <laughs> yeah. picture, a picture of Colt, just like poking the nose of an antelope. It just, I like that picture. Um, and I, and I got a really cool picture of bald headed old me, um, which I'm, I've lost a lot of my hair by the way. Um, and, uh, Wearing a hat does that. So uh, I got out of the classroom and I wore a hat every single day. So I've got the balding in the middle. And so, yeah, my, 
Ty and I are, are cutting up meat and he's got a butter knife just working at a backstrap trying to cut this stuff off <laughs> or whatever else. That's fun. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. where those things have <clears throat> take precedence over um, how many tags can I get and can I fill them? Yep. yep. And I, I'm, yeah, I totally get that. I, uh, for instance, I, I had that bear tag and I have a spot that I hunt it's where I've, I've arrowed two bears on, on this water hole. And so I've shot a bear, I've shot eight bears now, several, six with a rifle and, um, two with my bow this year. I wanted to use my pistol. It's a 44 Magnum. It's a family heirloom. Like I wanted to shoot a bear with this pistol. So I sat that stand one night, didn't get anything, but my son wanted to go with me. Okay, can't sit the tree stand when your son's with you because he's nine <laughs> and there's not enough room in a tree stand for a nine-year-old that can't sit still with yeah. no harness or anything either. Um, so we went one night and just sat on top of the hill above the water hole. It's at 225 yards. Nothing came in. Uh, I went. I actually went on a vacation during hunting season this year. Like, <laughs> yeah, something I've never done before. Um, <laughs> came back. And that part of that was, again, what are my priorities? My time with my dad, we've always wanted to go to the Bristol NASCAR race. So we went this year and I prioritized that over hunting. Uh, but I, I got back from that and the next couple nights later, going to go back to the tree stand, but my son wants to come with me. All right, let's go. And we just sit at the top of the hill and wouldn't you know that a bear comes in and I shoot it. And, but I got to enjoy that experience with my son, which is, you know, much better for both, both of us as a father son combination, but also for him as a young outdoorsman to experience that, mm -hmm. um, time, you know? So, yeah, it's so hard to first off, get that moment to go out with him or it works where he's, my kid's not in daycare or school or um, I got someone else to watch the other one, Colt, so I can take right. him and then trying to make it a successful hunt too. Um, because man, I want that hunt to be successful, or at least I want to have some encounters with him so he can get to touch it, feel it, see the guts inside and the, and yep. all of that stuff. So that I, I didn't put that together when you sent me that picture that he was along for that hunt. Um, cause he's the picture of him and the bear. Um, but now that makes sense. That's really cool. Yeah. And it's not much bigger than him, but <laughs> yeah, hey, you know, it doesn't matter. Like I said, it doesn't matter. No, when you get, first of all, I think if you get a chance to shoot a bear, just shoot the thing. Cause, cause it's a list B tag in Colorado and I can just go get another one. Yeah. Um, but secondly, if my kids with me, we're enjoying our time together. And then we get to experience the joy of um, harvesting an animal together, which for us is, of course, a bear hide that's tanned and a skull that's on the wall. And then even better, bears become one of my favorite meats. I'm and right there with you. And that is because of it you. Just, that's because of you and you <laughs> teaching me how to make that sausage. It is, yeah. my, it is my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I favorite. we cut up. We cut up a back strap that next night, and of course, it's only two inches in diameter, three inches in diameter. It's really small, but man, 
he was he didn't have a lot of fat on his rump like you'd usually see like an inch and a half of fat on a bear's butt this time of year but he only had about half inch but it his meat was marbled beyond what i've ever seen before and that meat is good that's why I told Christy um, Dome because she shot that one in Canada, and I I asked her about it, and she's like, "Oh, is it good?" Yep. It's like, "Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. good. It's unbelievable." And I I cooked up. Uh, I had a summer end of summer little thing for my interns, and and made them a pile of. I made them shanks and made tacos out of that, and then I had some ribs, um, and there was some bear one set of bear ribs in there, and they were ranting and raving over those bear ribs because they were they far exceeded the the deer ribs they were so good so good that's super good the uh of course that breakfast sausage recipe that i've shared with you is is one of my favorites um but i made some summer sausage out of this one and it is fantastic oh because i've kind of zeroed in my summer sausage recipe too um and i smoke it and man (laughs) with that bear meat in there it is it's good uh, yeah it's I mean, super good I, I my sticks are horrible but my su- summer sausage i feel is pretty good so i'll have to mess around with that with yeah. the bear but the uh um that sausage if you put that on like some homemade pizza oh my gosh it's the way to go mm-hmm. never, i mean yep. I'll, I'll put it just in the little patties and have breakfast with it for sure but i'll put it on i'll put it in spaghetti i'll put it in on pizza whatever it's it's good and i got i kind of savor cool. that a little bit yeah. but I, I didn't get a bear this year i got a bear in the last two years but not not one this year dad and i struggled for getting him an elk so and i don't know what you've heard but i saw I the saw least the... actually zero sign of bear this year where, where we were hunting like zero bears and it was kind of yeah. are their numbers down yeah no, it's not. I don't think it's numbers, but I, it's just feed availability. Because huh. um, there's, so we had a banner year. It was, if you want a perfect year in Colorado for food, this was it. Because um, we had an early freeze. So the temperatures gradually warmed up and we never had a drop like midway, mid May. We usually have a drop to like 29 degrees at our house and it kills our apricots and everything. But this year, it never did that. And then we had rain, rain, rain all the way through June. And so there is just, there's acorns everywhere. There's berries everywhere. There's sarvis berries, choke cherries, like everywhere. everywhere. Up on top of the mountain, we had, at our place, very unusual to have every fruit that we have. Peaches, apples, plums, pears, apricots blackberries choke cherries raspberries like everything grew this year Hmm. um so i i'm i don't think numbers are down i just think the bears can go wherever they want that makes sense that makes a lot of sense you know hard hard to hunt them when the food's everywhere it does yep yep and i four years ago was the last time that we had a food crop at our place like that, but the top of the mesa froze. So all the bears came down and we had five different bears at our place. Two of them 
I estimated their skulls at about 20 inches and I ended up shooting one on the first morning of the hunt. Uh, and he went 19 and seven eighths. Jeez. And I have, so I shot that bear at seven 30. I think that morning I have the other big bear at seven 30 on my game camera, 400, 300 yards from where I shot the other bear at the same time. So they just, they were on our property because of the food. So yeah. I think that it's just food availability and water too. I mean, we've got water everywhere. Yeah. They can pretty much do whatever they want. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Um, so I, I don't even remember like what the structure of our last few things we've been talking about are, but um, the, uh, where do you, where do you think this is going to go? This uh, ballot initiative, if that gets, Put on, um, and I don't even know. I need to probably get some get a little more educated on this yet, to, yeah. as to how much traction it has. Um, it seems like these well-funded anti-groups can just get things on the ballot, which yeah seems to be way too easy. I don't know. They're it's just... not very difficult in Colorado. No, mm-hmm. um, I think they're going to have to get. There's a certain percentage of the last election that you have to get. I think they need to get like 125,000 signatures and 2%, at least 2% from each of the voting districts in the state, uh, I think is the rule for them, which I think they'll probably get it pretty easily because you can find people to sign a ballot initiative. Um I don't, this one doesn't, definitely doesn't have the traction the Wolves had. That one right away got a lot of attention. Yeah. And it had a lot of money behind it. And so I think the the Wolves are a much more emotional piece for people because we didn't have them. Um, and people want to see them, which they don't realize you're probably never going to see one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're just, they're very elusive animals. So I, I don't think this one has the traction that did, but again, those, those groups have a lot of money and they have a lot of pull, especially at the state level here in Colorado now, and they might be able to give it, get it the attention that it needs to pass. And I don't want it to pass, but they might be able to pull it off. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, if you look at the wolf measure, it, it passed by like two tenths of a percent or something like that. It was very close. Um, and it had a lot of push behind it. So my hope is that this one doesn't have that attention with it and that it won't pass. Um, but I don't know. You just, you never know when a state, our state has changed a lot since, um, so my wife and I moved to Alaska in 08 and it was a pretty much a conservative red state. And we moved back in 2012 and it was very purple and now it is very blue. Yeah. So I wouldn't discount them being able to pass something like this. And I think that we have to work against it so it doesn't pass. And it's just kind of a, a really ignorant thing that when you, when you take that out of the, the hands of the hunters that they think yeah. those, lion, those lions and bobcats are still just going to be fine and they're not going to be killed and whatever else. But if yeah, they educated themselves and look to see what ca- happens in California, 
it's like the the money is is still being paid but it's going in the opposite direction it's not sportsmen paying to go do this now it's um the agency having to pay a biologist or something's like oh we got a problem lying down in sacramento we gotta go shoot that thing and yep. it it gets killed anyway and now the, the the interactions that they're having people interactions with mountain lions are increasing like crazy um and i there is plenty of californians right here in south dakota they are moving their way in and they are thicker than <laughs> snot um uh here too yeah they are thick and they talk about seeing mountain lions it's like oh yeah we'd see them all the time like how many mountain lions have i seen like i've seen probably three maybe four if i think about it and that's including going lion hunting and i didn't even see any when we were lying there i've seen fewer than that yeah, they're just, but for someone to go yeah, and I, see them, they got to be thicker and snot, and they're not they're not afraid of people. So that's a that's a big disaster. The bobcats, who knows? Who knows what those old? You'll see those randomly in a neighborhood here and there. Probably not going to cause a huge huge issue, except when it gets in somebody's chickens. Um, they're small livestock, that sort of thing. Um, right, but the the lions those will jumping down and being just like a a wolf issue when they're dealing with those yep and then just costs the the agency even more money like the the millions of dollars they're spending right now on these wolves that are um and the special positions that they've created for those and they still can't even can't even get wolves which i think is just no yeah we don't even have any set us we don't have anybody that's willing to give them to us yet so kind of kind of wondered how that's going to work out, but um, I think somebody will probably step up to the plate to do it. But it's going to take a lot of work on the part of CTPW to get it done. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, for sure. Well, um, uh, I think that's a good spot to kind of end it, and um, um, I am really glad we chatted about your 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 hunting story just in this last this this year's hunting story but also just it, it encompasses some of the other parts of your story that uh um, really have some cool life lessons to to think about and make us all better hunters better people husbands and and so on so um yeah thanks for sharing that and hopefully what's what's future of bow hunting now after this this deer i don't know that's well, I have to, uh, so unfortunately I have to have ankle surgery in December. So otherwise I probably would go back to Arizona for over the counter. Um, that's back on the dock now. Um, I might try archery elk hunting next year. Yeah. It's really going through my mind. Yeah. Um, but that's usually, uh, for me, that's an, if I don't draw another tag kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So but so that's on the list. And I think my kids have actually asked, um, to shoot more. Now they saw me out there shooting. They just started, they started coming out with me and practicing. So, um, we're going to get back into the 3d shoots and stuff next summer as a family. Cause they used to do all those with me. 
Yeah. And they, but they've actually requested it now. So I think that it's gonna done deal. So that life change we talked about with my kids and my wife, now that they're willing to come with me, I think it's probably going to push me back into it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and just being successful, it helps a ton. You know, you tend to like things that you're successful at. I see it. I see it in myself. I see it in high schoolers all the time. They, the things that they like are the things they're good at. So I think if, if I'm successful, I'll, you know, I'll just keep plugging away at it. Yeah. Yeah. So That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Cause I know how much you love that, but the uh, frustration was, is, is there. I had somebody ask me the other day that was getting into bow hunting. And they're like, is this more, I can't remember if he asked if it was more or less frustrating than golf. And I said, way worse, <laughs> way worse. Yeah. More, way more ups and downs than any golf. Way more. Yeah. You could ever. And I hate golf, imagine. but I do too. <laughs> it's uh, it's just, you have to remember there are so many things you can't control. And I used to try to control them all. Right. Yeah. You can't control the wind. You can't control the animals' actions. You can't control where there's going to be water, where there's going to be feed. Um, like, there's just so many things that you can't control, and there's so many ways for an archery hunt to go bad, way more than a rifle hunt. Um, that you cannot. I mean, you're looking at you know one out of ten stocks being successful on an animal, you know, you can't put all your eggs in that one basket. You've got to be willing to go back to it and just keep trying. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got a hunt in the morning, so I've got, uh, Oh yeah. Six hours of sleep here. <laughs> Getting kind of late there, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, okay. I'm in the same time zone as you are. So I'm good to go. Oh, but, okay. Sounds good. Anyway, Well, thanks Jason. I appreciate it. And, uh, don't hang up quite yet, but thanks again. Okay, thanks, Clint. I appreciate it.